Perception is reality often, right? And we forget about the fact that we think that if we work really hard, that our results will speak for themselves. But time and time again, I learned over and over, communication is key. Hello, and welcome to the Talent Acquisition Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Dull. And on this show, we interview today's industry leaders in talent acquisition to discuss challenges, best practices, and what the future holds. If you are working in talent acquisition and have always wanted to sit down with your peers at other companies to exchange ideas and learn, well, this show is the next best thing. Join us each week as we bring you a new expert interview and extract their expertise. This episode is brought to you by SageMark HR. Transform your recruiting practices with leading edge technology. Selecting the right recruiting solutions to enable your strategy is one of the biggest challenges leaders face today. You know technology will help, but searching all the options to find out what will work best for your specific needs can be both overwhelming and time-consuming. At SageMark HR, we make selecting the right recruiting technology easy. Our proven process has helped companies such as 3M, Comcast, Stryker, Walgreens, and many more. Reach out to us at SageMark HR for a free consultation to learn how we can help you improve results with less stress and confidently change from reacting to leading. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the TA Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Dull, and today I have a conversation with Carrie Carley. Uh, Carrie is the VP of Talent Acquisition at Dish Network. Carrie, welcome to the show. Thank you. Happy to be here. Great. So as we always do, if you could take a few minutes and just kind of talk a little bit about your background, specifically how you got started in recruiting, which is always an interesting story, and then maybe some of the roles that you've had leading up to your current position at Dish Network. Sounds good. So I started my career in the early 90s after graduating from college, and it was during a recession, very hard to find jobs at the time, sort of a time where we would use, uh, there was no internet, we were using classified ads to find jobs. And I had just come back from kind of my version of a semester abroad. So after graduating, I did a Spanish immersion study program in Costa Rica with a Costa Rican family and was feeling pretty fluent and wanted to find something that would allow me to use my kind of my Spanish language, went to a Chamber of Commerce meeting actually in San Diego, where I'm from, and it was the meeting of the minds of small business owners, met the owner of the franchise for San Diego for Manpower, and they were looking for a bilingual recruiter at the time. And I didn't know much about recruiting, but my mom was actually in HR as her profession, coincidentally, and went for an interview and got the job, which was great. And so that was really my entry point into recruiting. And, you know, it wasn't something that I thought that I wanted to stay in. I was asked to be on a project where they're starting to implement a new technology, a DOS prompt system to automate our flashcards and, you know, resume faxing and such. And I really liked it. Came back after implementing the project for the company, started to look at opportunities in Silicon Valley. So things were just starting to heat up around technology, and I loved the automation of processes and found a company, Resumix, which would relocate me up to the Bay Area, San Francisco Bay Area, and that was really my entry point into recruitment technology. So I spent some time kind of traveling the world, implementing recruitment technology software and doing process improvements because it was always, at that time, it was the first technology that a recruiting team or really HR team was getting at the time. Now there are thousands of technologies out there. And that led me into multi-process HR outsourcing. And I ran and managed the RPO arm of that division or function before RPO was a standalone. So it was a multi-process, large-scale outsourcing engagement for HR at the time and loved that. 
spent some time on the consulting side of the business. So had an opportunity to build out a global workforce planning and consulting practice within a large organization, which then led me into going in-house. So one of my clients kind of tapped me on the shoulder and had an opportunity to move over to HP and build out a recruiting operations function within a larger organization. And then really for me at that time, I always enjoyed not just implementing or making recommendations as a consultant kind of from the outside, um, how to improve processes or best practices and really embrace more of the in-house working within HR to be able to drive and transform organizations. And really since then have worked for a few organizations that have afforded me that opportunity. So prior to DISH, I joined Wells Fargo to help build out their international or hiring practice outside of the U.S., which was quite large, but very unknown at the time. And now that brings me to DISH. I've been a DISH for the last year. I joined in April of last year, and the opportunity there was really to help transform the organization to venture into a new market and really scale the organization in kind of new fun directions. Uh, It's great. Really diverse background and well-rounded background, exciting brands, exciting opportunities. So talk a little bit about what's happening at DISH. We had talked about this when we were prepping for the podcast, and I I think it's really interesting and exciting, and you're right, kind of transforming the business as well as what the needs are from a talent acquisition perspective. So kind of share a little bit about that, as well as kind of the scale of talent acquisition services that you're delivering. Absolutely. So DISH is a very mission-driven organization. So we're founder-led, been around for 42 years, and our vision is to change the way the world communicates, mission to connect people and things. And our founder and chairman of the board had started to acquire Spectrum a number of years ago with the vision to really move into the wireless 5G space at the time. I think there might've been one or 2G when he started to acquire Spectrum. You know, we were founded originally as a satellite TV organization. At one time we acquired Blockbuster. Some people don't know that. We've leveraged really some of the programming rights to support our business and started Sling. So Sling TV, sort of over the top programming. And now we're moving into the wireless space. So the first 5G open ran Greenfield build of wireless network and the first of its kind in the US, the nation. There's really only probably two other organizations one in the U.S. or the Chinese government that's made a play on this, and then another kind of semi-private organization in India. So it's unknown right now, but we're getting ready to launch. Actually, we just launched, I think, two days ago, our network in Las Vegas, and we have a number of significant milestones to achieve over in one month, five weeks from now, as well as one year from now in order to achieve some of the expectations from the FCC. But we're on a great growth trajectory, and it's really catapulted our organization into new markets. We have new competitors, new talent that we're trying to build and grow within the organization, but also find in order to help us build out something that we haven't done before, building out the wireless network. And it's really transformed our organization over the last couple of years. So it's something that we've been working on during the pandemic, where originally not a lot of people were hiring at the time, and we were trying to really build a new business. And it's really required us to transform not just the HR function, but the rest of the organization as well, kind of a lot of the shared functions and how we can support the organization's growth overall. Yeah, that's great. So talk a little bit about the size of your team, how many anticipated hires that you'll do, kind of some of that to help give the audience a little bit of understanding on, on the scope. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. So last year was a monumental year in terms of hiring. So we hired a little over 10,500 employees. So those are starts more or less um, for the year. It represents a 30% increase from 2019, but from 2020, it was 120% increase. So the reason why that's significant is that our team, when I came on board, was really sized to support a materially smaller amount of hiring volume. And at the beginning of last year, we really just catapulted the need and requirements around hiring. So we've had to scale the team. We have about 170 people today across the board, which really covers not just recruiting delivery, and, and but it's also our infrastructure and enablement teams like employment branding, recruitment marketing, kind of the infrastructure, recruiting operations, systems, tools, technologies, reporting, all of that is really within our, our team or function overall. We also have immigration services, some global mobility, all of that stuff, kind of soup to nuts from campus hiring to executive hiring across the board. And we've really had to transform from being a very kind of siloed function that was built to really support more volume hiring of that number. About six or 7,000 of our hires are more volume hiring for the field organizations. So things like customer service agents, the field satellite technicians, you know, that are installing the satellites for in-home services business or direct sales. And that was really had been our kind of our bread and butter and what we had really tooled our function or organization to be able to support. And we really needed to work on transforming the team and function to support those specialized skills, hiring in more of the professional space, kind of experience space. And we hire about four to 5,000 kind of professional talent a year overall. Our trajectory this year, we expect 30% growth. So our target is really 12,000, 13,000 hires this year. Okay, that's great. So you talk a lot about transformation and coming in to lead a transformation and capability around talent acquisition to support the business changes as well. So share with us a little bit around what talent acquisition was like when you arrived and maybe some of the key initiatives that you and the team have led thus far. Yeah, our teams were organized really to be solely self-sufficient. So when I came on board and kind of the proposition of needing to scale the team or function, we really had to look at creating more of a hub and spoke model and pulling out some roles and functions that each team was trying to build out within their function overall. And so we really worked on building out more of the infrastructure and implement teams, like a COE within a COE, if, if you will, so that we can be more effective and nimble in order to scale overall and to try and drive more process improvements and process consistency across all of the teams. So it didn't feel like it was a new organization when someone was hiring or trying to move from one business line to another and felt like it was just a completely different process or a function. So over this past year, while we were trying to hire talent, which we know is very difficult to retain talent globally, but also within recruiting, just being the hot roles in terms of more demand than supply that existed. But we we're also trying to retool the team or function, build out capability sets. We needed to really rethink how our technology was implemented in order to make us more efficient, effective. We needed to look at kind of reporting and metrics in order to build it out so we knew how to measure productivity and capacity of the teams. We spent a lot of time, a big component of it was around employment branding and really thinking about, and we're still working on this overall, but thinking about how do we communicate and tell our story before our product, our new product is out there. So we're trying to build 
and hire people to do work that they don't know that we do yet. And so it's been a really interesting challenge trying to use social media and different mechanisms and, you know, have leaders tell our story and kind of the future proposition. We're really hiring people who will want to get onto that vision and mission and get on the kind of the train with us and have a sense of faith that we're going to be able to deliver kind of the exciting proposition that we have coming up. But it's really, quite frankly, working through engagement overall. So we had a significant amount of turnover for the recruitment team while we're trying to hire for the organization. And we're also trying to sustain and hire for ourselves as well, which I know is not uncommon for any other recruiting function over this past year. It's been a massive talent exchange, but it's been an, a very exciting time, continues to be so. And there's really no rock that goes unturned for us to be able to um, figure out how we can continue to scale given our growth trajectory. Yeah, that's great. That's good progress. A lot to go, I understand, and, and big challenges. Like we've both been in this space a long time, haven't seen anything like the current environment, but no. also it's a great opportunity in TA to become business champions and business leaders and add value. So let's talk about the future a little bit. So where are you going from here? What are some of the key initiatives that you're leading from this point forward for the next phase of your transformation? Yeah, absolutely. Well, we certainly, I mean, as anyone would know in this line of worker field, a recruiter's job is never done. It just keeps coming. And there's always new, better, more efficient, more effective ways that we can do it. We work off of an OKR model within the organization. So objectives, key results, and you know, we identified five key pillars for us to focus on, which we conveniently call STEPS, so the acronym. So scalable is kind of the first S, T for team, E for experience, so overarching candidate experience, P for partnership, and then S for story, telling our story as we move forward as well. So within that, we've really identified key initiatives of what we need to drive, at least this year or for the next couple of years overall. We have to continue to work on scaling our team or function. Interestingly, we have no shortage of technologies. We probably are um, over-indexed on fit-for-purpose tools or technologies. So we're really trying to right-size those and streamline what we have. With lots of different technologies comes challenges with integration breakdowns and things like that. So it just creates more challenges and inefficiencies overall. So we're really focusing on making sure that we can effectively use our tools and technologies to support our needs. But the other thing on the experience side is we realize that we over-indexed and need to put kind of a human in the middle as well. And so we, on our field or volume side, which we really have to treat those as is kind of very different processes to be able to manage and kind of a different funnel and time expectation. But we over-indexed on using um, AI and machine learning for automated screening. And certainly during this time, you know, we've really tried to step in and say, all right, we can improve things like our no-call, no-show rate by having people have a conversation with someone right before they're coming in for their interview, as an example. And so some of it, we're kind of getting back to basics. In addition, you know, we're spending a lot of time and money on our branding, employment branding, and um, our message to really sell and communicate the value of our culture. We are very mission-driven. We hire for um, alignment to our culture first, rather than skills first, it's culture first. And so that's, you know, a critical element our hiring process and making sure that we stay true to that, but really thinking about the overarching experience by kind of persona and type of individual. We don't want to have a kind of a peanut butter approach, kind of a one size fits all, and really want to tailor the experience by, you know, executive or by your, you know, your early talent, early grad versus various levels of experienced talent. 
so those are probably no brainers for many people, but things that are newer for us to think about things from the outside in rather than the inside out, given the degree or amount of scale that we have to achieve as well. So those no, are a no, few of the things that we're focused on. Yeah, those are great. Thanks for sharing that. I appreciate that. Last question I would have for you is what's some advice or, or a piece of advice that you would give to others in the TA profession? It could be something that somebody told you early on or an experience or something that you've learned that you like to share with your teams, whatever you want, trying to kind of pay it forward to the audience and everyone listening here on ways that we can help other people improve. Yeah, it's a good question. And this isn't necessarily specific to recruiting, but I think it is really critical for those who are in recruiting overall. Perception is reality often, right? And we forget about the fact that we think that if we work really hard, that our results will speak for themselves. But time and time again, I learned over and over, communication is key in communicating your message. You have to be out there articulating your message, kind of be a, um, anticipate the story that someone might create without you delivering the story. And so you really have to own your own messages, tell them how well the team or the function is doing, however small or large it is, and making sure that you're getting out to all of the appropriate audiences at kind of different levels. And Every organization that I've joined in particular, no different with DISH as well, a lot of times those communication structures have not been put in place, both for the team internally, but also from a leadership level and making sure that you're telling the story across the leadership at all levels. A lot of times recruiters or recruiting teams think that by communicating just with their hiring managers, that that's good enough and don't realize that those individuals are actually not telling the story up or down or across. It's really incumbent upon us to tell the story. And that's where I think using business language rather than HR or recruiter language, you have to really kind of think about and empathize about your audience and change the way you speak to kind of your external audience versus your internal audience. So communication is key. And then you know, emotional intelligence, that's kind of a key thing and kind of having a positive attitude and spirit. Uh, the recruiting function is a really, I call it the noisiest function within an HR organization. We get good feedback, we get bad feedback, we get all kinds of feedback, we get feedback all the time. And it's really being able to manage that feedback effectively and not take it personally, right? And still show up every day, right? With a smile and a great attitude and a can-do attitude that, you know, I'm going to knock it out of the park today, regardless of the number of hits you might get. Yeah, those are great uh, pieces of advice. I think that really rings true with a lot of people, I'm sure, and appreciate you sharing that. So Carrie, thank you very much for your time today. Thank you for sharing. I think you did a great job and uh, really appreciate you. Thanks so much for having me. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Talent Acquisition Leaders Podcast. If something we said today resonated with you, please subscribe, rate, and download our podcast and share the episode with your network. Ready to transform your recruiting practices with leading edge technology, just like our other clients at 3M, Comcast, Stryker, and Walgreens? Then reach out at sagemarkhr.com for a free consultation.